Sports Social with Ed Easton Jr. We are back for another episode here on Brooklyn Free Speech Radio. And you know what? Because this is actually a very uh, special week here in Brooklyn, besides the other special weeks, of course, this week is the ACC Tournament. That is the huge college basketball tournament for, in my opinion, the best conference in college basketball. And it's taking place in Brooklyn for the second straight year. I'm excited about it. I'm a big North Carolina fan. Obviously, um, North Carolina is a number. I think they're not a top seed. They are going to play during the week, but they're not a top seed like they usually are. Um, I'm trying to keep my fandom to a minimum right now and just take an overall scope of the actual tournament and how it's such a huge part of March Madness and just for everyone that is new to what the ACC tournament or just college basketball tournaments in general really mean, I'm going to take this show to really break that down. With that being said, I uh, made sure to attend the very first day of the tournament, which were just like the opening round games to um, see who's going to play in the next round, like the quarterfinals and so on and so on. And there were three games on day one. I uh, I was very lucky enough to see the first two in person. That third game was the Syracuse game, Syracuse and Wake Forest. Um, I did catch later, but I can say this. Catching a game at the Barclays Center, and I'm not, just for the record, I'm not endorsing saying the Barclays Center is the greatest arena ever, but I will say this. Catching a game at the Barclays Center, especially college basketball, is an experience. So if anybody who lives in Brooklyn lives in the New York City area, hasn't had the opportunity to catch a game, whether it's a uh, Brooklyn Nets game, I was about to say New Jersey, whether it's a Nets game, whether it's a college basketball game, is definitely not a bad seat in the house. I was sitting section one, so I'm not going to say I had a bad seat, but um, I, I just was able to enjoy the over- just the overall ambiance of everything that was going on, and this was for the early like noon start. Like The first game was at noon, second game was at two o'clock, and it was still good crowds for, you know, a Tuesday, considering that a lot of people have to work and it's not really a holiday. Very good crowds. Uh, a lot of people that were, you know, there to support their uh, schools. Uh, the first game was uh, Boston College and Georgia Tech. The second game was Pittsburgh and Notre Dame. And like I said, that last game was Wake Forest and Syracuse. Each game was compelling. Each game was a lot of fun. Um, I-, I am going to break down each game individually and just like some of the highlights as well as the uh, post-game news conferences that we even get the audio from that uh just some of the great stuff said even on the panels um in regarding to the games and preparing for that next round because a lot of people consider the the first day of a tournament to be like the last the super last chance for a lot of teams that probably weren't going to make the big tournament but this is like their chance to prove that they can at least have a shot at some of the big names. And this is like the North Carolinas of the conference, the Dukes of the conference. This was their their last shot to to really prove that they deserve to be at that next that next day. So to be there at day one, and, and like I said, it was a lot of support for these teams and a lot of alma mater, uh, just, you know, just showing that these teams have an opportunity to possibly make something happen and get hot. Because... For a lot of people that don't know, when they put together the uh, the round of, I believe it's 68 now, they put 68 teams in the in March Madness, 
they have to go off the record, the RPI, which is basically your strength of schedule, top teams you've beaten, and they kind of rank it all out to see who are the top teams from all these different conferences. The only sure way to guarantee that you're going to get in besides having an amazing record is to win your conference tournament. You win a conference tournament, it's an automatic bid no matter what your record is. So, for example, Pittsburgh is one of the teams in there. Pittsburgh's 0-18 in the conference during regular season play. They were terrible. Bottom line. But if they won the ACC tournament, they'll automatically get the bid just like that. It doesn't matter what they did during the regular season. So they call it March Madness because it's when people start to figure out what type of team is going to be in their brackets and all the, you know, the insanity that goes around it. It's a lot of fun. So it's in Brooklyn now, you know, and, and it's just it, it brings it home. Obviously, the ACC is known Atlantic Coast Conference for those who want to be technical. Brooklyn just doesn't seem to make sense. But at the same time, it does because you're not going to get that much. You're not going to get any more neutral than that. Granted, Boston College is in the Northeast. You will have some people that are going to travel from Boston to go to um, to New York for a game. Syracuse, of course, is going to come down from upstate. Pittsburgh, not too far as well. But you know what? When you really break it down and really see the roots of what this tournament is about and the legacy, and like I said, you have with North Carolina, with Duke, they have all this talent. These are all like lottery picks. Let's be honest, people. These, these are not... Just your run-of-the-mill teams, you're talking about some of the best of the best are playing in Brooklyn this week. And uh, to be there for day one and just to to go through it was a lot of fun. So I'm going to be recapping each of the first three games and uh, giving you, you know, like a quick uh, sim of just how the game went in terms of highlights as well as the uh, some of the some of the words from the coaches and players that were involved for each game. So check out for that a little bit later. Also, I do want to touch on some things. I don't know for people that were around for over the weekend. Saturday Night Live was hosted by Charles Barkley. And this is his fourth time he hosted. Once again, I was a little surprised Charles Barkley, they keep bringing him back. But I don't think he's bad. But hey, I mean, I just don't think he's the best guy to keep hosting all the time. Sometimes I feel like some of his jokes you could tell are really stiff. But uh he did, he did a pretty good job. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna really crack on Charles and say he didn't do a good job. He was kind of funny, but the biggest thing that he, I really got out of it, and I think a lot of people got out of it, was his opening monologue. He addressed the whole you know shut up and dribble thing from the Fox News anchor, whose name I refuse to say, um, referring to LeBron James and his you know thoughts on activism and and just speaking his mind against the president. Charles Barkley was very open about it. He shared his thoughts. He encourages LeBron James as well as all other players to continue to speak their mind. As we all know, Charles Barkley never has a problem with speaking his mind, whether he, when he was a player or as a uh, analyst right now for TNT. So it was great. His monologue is awesome. I'm going to play that as well. And also, big thing, huge thing, Kobe Bryant. I, I still have to look into history books on this, but... Not only does he have all these great accolades, you know, obviously the five championships and the having the two numbers retired back in December. He also can add Oscar award winner. Yes, Kobe Bryant just won an Oscar this past Sunday during the, uh, the 90th presentation of the show for his animated short, Dear Basketball. And 
this hits home for me because I was actually there interviewing him when he was um, premiering it at the Tribeca Film Festival last year. It's uh, it's pretty cool. And I, I thought it was a cool, you know, um, short anyway, just watching it. And the fact that he was able to bring home the Oscar for it is amazing. So I'm going to listen to a little bit of his uh, post uh, press conference talking about it. And, and the way he breaks it down, just his shocking. I don't think he really believed that he was going to win. And this is a guy who about as is probably the most confident person you ever would see on the basketball court. Just was like a little kid again, winning an Oscar. So I just thought it was a really cool look, not only for him, for the Oscars, for the NBA, just what you could do after the sport. I mean, the guy is not even like a full three years or two years out of the uh, out of the NBA, and already he's making he's making strides in other um in other ventures. So. Definitely. Shout out to Kobe Bryant on that one. So we're going to listen to his whole uh, speech and his whole thoughts on winning because, like I said, he didn't expect it. So as always, I'm open to, to suggestions. Hit me up on Twitter, on Instagram, at Ed Easton Jr. Let me know what you think. Um, some different topics. But this whole show is on March Madness. March Madness in Brooklyn. We're breaking down the three games from day one um, and just... Like I said, we just full discussion alongside with it. Always hit me up on the social media um, platforms, like I said. And without further ado, we're going to jump into the first sound, and that is Charles Barkley, his opening monologue at Saturday Night Live. Ladies and gentlemen, Charles Barkley! I'm an athlete, and athletes been speaking out a lot this year. They've been kneeling during the anthem, refusing to go to the White House, but a lot of professional athletes are worried about speaking out and might hurt their career. Well, here's something that contradicts all of that. Me. <laughs> I've been saying whatever the hell I want for 30 years, <laughs> and I'm doing great. <laughs> I'm hosting SNL for the fourth time for for no reason <laughs> other than Lauren Michael just wanted somebody to talk to about Black Panther. <laughs> but this country's had a great tradition of athletes speaking their mind. Muhammad Ali changed the way people thought about Vietnam. Jim Brown had people thinking about race. Michael Jordan even thought it was okay for humans to play with Looney Tunes. <laughs> well, some folks still think we're all spoiled millionaires, but athletes work hard. I'm successful because I have a great work ethic, I'm responsible, and when I was born, I was three feet tall and weighed 26 pounds. <laughs> but some people don't want to hear from professional athletes, like this lady on Fox News who told LeBron James to shut up and dribble. And dribbling's, dribbling's like LeBron's only four things he's good at. <laughs> Shooting, passing, and magically making his hairline come back. <laughs> but the media does this stuff all the time. I went to President Obama's 50th birthday party. They got video of me and Jay-Z, Steve Harvey, and Grant Hill at the party, and Fox News called it the hip-hop barbecue. <laughs> First of all, we were the only four black people there, and three of us ain't even in hip-hop. <laughs> so call it a hip-hop barbecue is like go any tournament Tiger plays in, Def Golf Jam. <laughs> Look, 
I got a message with people complaining about athletes. We can do a lot more than dribble. I'm a broadcaster. I wrote a book. I even got my own wine. That's true. It's called CB Vineyards. It's the only Chardonnay that pairs great with a sausage biscuit. <laughs> right. You know what? But at the end of the day, athletes are the only ones speaking out in their communities. Hey, whoa, 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 Charles, what about comedians? <laughs> you speak out all the time. Oh, look at you, Michael. Nobody takes you seriously. Well, tell that to the people who call me a racist just for telling jokes. I'm sorry to hear that. Well, they do make a good point. People should be able to disagree. For example, I'm proud to stand for the anthem. Unless Fergie's singing it, and I just fall over laughing, because it's hilarious. And I stay seated for the anthem, because I'm still in my Uber, because black people are always late. That's not true. I told you I'm a racist. Hey, I might agree with that, but you can say it and still have a career. And all you other athletes out there, you can too. So LeBron, keep on dribbling, and don't ever shut up. And maybe one day, you can host SNL for a full time just like me. So buckle up. It's gonna be a real hip-hop barbecue in here tonight. <laughs> we, we got a great show. Migos is here, so stick around. We'll be right back. Glenn Keane and Kobe Bryant. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, okay, we're gonna start in the back okay. with 81 and then I'm gonna come up to 210. Kobe, <laughs> hello. Look at the number. 81. 81. Yes. Congratulations. Congratulations. Thank you. Okay. After winning five NBA championships, now holding an Oscar, how do you feel? Um, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's, I feel better than winning a championship, to be honest with you. I swear I do. It, it, it's, it's, you know, growing up as a kid, I dreamt of winning championships, you know, and, and working really hard to make that dream come true. But then, like, to have, um, something like this seemingly come out of left field, you know? And like, you know, I, I heard a lot of people tell me when I started writing and they would ask me, what are you gonna do when you retire? And I'd say, well, I wanna be a writer, I wanna be a storyteller. And I got a lot of, yeah, that's cute, that's cute. You'll be depressed when your career is over and you'll come back to playing, you know? And I got that a lot. And so to, to, to be here right now and to have like a, like a sense of validation is, dude, this is, this is, this is crazy, man. <laughs> it's crazy. Not only that, after, <laughs> After the win, you don't have to sit in a tub of ice. I don't. Yeah, that's true. That's true. That's true. We're coming here to 210, and then we'll go to 28. Hey, Kobe Bryant. Congratulations. Thank you. Uh, we actually met at the White House um, at the opening of the African American Museum. Yes. You were telling me about this career. Talk to us about how different a skill it is, what's harder about it, what's easier about it, and what have you learned, and what's next? Well, I think the hardest part about it in playing basketball, the, the, the hardest thing to do is to get out of the way of yourself, right? Try to disassociate you know, any sense of ego that you have to be able to perform. And in writing, it feels like you have to get in, in a deeper connection with yourself and better understand the fears and insecurities and things that may be going on below the surface so that in turn you can better communicate those. And so those are really the two major distinctions between playing and, and, and writing or creating. What? More, more. John, John, John Williams. It sounds crazy to even say that, but um, after he scored uh, the film, he he, uh, he he looked at me and Glenn and goes, "Okay, that was way too short. You got to give me something longer." And I was like, "Oh, <laughs> okay, we're working on it. <laughs> we're trying." We're going to twenty-eight, and then we'll go to number seven. 
Hi, Kobe. Steve hey. Fugman from CBS. Hi, stranger. Yeah, nice seeing you. Obviously, you've won championships, Olympic gold medals, now this. I want to know, you talked about this meaning more to you, but at the same time, can you talk about the struggles that you may understand now about someone who's achieved fame trying to find a new outlet for their talents? And obviously, you feel you've found something here. Would you like to make a feature film one day? Yeah, we've, uh, we've actually been hard at work over the last two years focusing on novels. And uh, we've been able to, to create five novels, each novel going out a series of five books. And we look forward to bringing that to the market uh, within the next couple of years. Um, but, you know, the, the hardest thing for, for athletes to do is when you start over, you, mm -hmm. you really have to quiet the ego. And you have, to, you have to begin again. You have to be a learner all over again. You have to uh, learn the basics of things. And, um, you know, that, that's really the hardest part. So my advice to athletes is, first and foremost, find a thing that you love to do. You know, I wake up in the morning, I can't wait to write, I can't wait to get to the studio, you know. And so when you find a thing that you love to do, then everything else tends to make sense. We're going to 7, and then we'll come down here to 276. Kobe, congratulations. Thank you. Uh, Steve Gregory with iHeart KLAC. Um, I wanted to ask you about how much of this project put you out of your comfort zone, and what was it like working with John Williams? Um, all of it put me out of my comfort zone. <laughs> um, my, my daughter gave me the best piece of advice I was um, a little uh, uh, worried about turning this into a film. I'd never done that, something like that before. And uh, we were in a house, and we were talking about it as a family. And uh, my little 11-year-old Gianna goes, well, Dad, you always tell us to go after our dreams, so man up. She's 11. Man up. So I had to man up and, and, and go for it. Um, and then working with John was incredible. You know, John speaks about music as if they're, they, they, each key has its own soul. And it was amazing to sit with John and to sit with Glenn throughout this entire process and hear the same attention to detail that we each have for our craft. craft. Um, it's, just, um, it's just an amazing experience to be able to, to work with John. I, I can't even, I mean, the guy's like, he's a real life uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi to me, you know? John had written this <laughs> score, you know, he's like 85 years old. And uh, wrote the whole thing out by hand, in pencil, just like the film itself has been pencil. Um, he's an he's a old-school craftsman, and with 80 instruments, he wrote that. And the day that we were recording it, he was like this little kid, just so energized. Supercharged. And I thought, what is going on with John? He, he gave me a hug, almost knocked me over. I was like, damn, I know I've been retired, but I haven't been retired that long, man. He almost knocked me over. And he stood up in front of the orchestra, and Kobe and I sat there. I, I suddenly realized he's never heard the music. He's just been hearing it in his head, and he wrote it with 80 instruments and recording it. And he lifted his arms, and it was this beautiful score, the score that you hear. And Kobe, Kobe wanted to, to shout, and went, like, no, the red light. And when it was done, John turns to us and says, I promise you it's going to get better. I said, man, I thought we were done. I thought we were done. But John, John was incredible, man. Yeah. We're, Hold it. We're going to 2766, um, the, you know, I like cold calling people. And so the first person I called was Oprah. 
And I, I didn't understand the business at all, as you can imagine. But I, like, I loved writing, so I wanted to build a studio. So I called Oprah, and she was uh, very gracious enough to spend about an hour and some change on the phone with me, walking me through every step of the way of how she built Harpo from day one. And I, I cannot thank her enough for that. It's, it's, She's a mentor then, a mentor now. Shonda Rhimes is absolutely amazing. And um, I was, she opened up the doors for me to go down to Shonda Land and sit in the creative room, writer's room, and be on set. And so when you have mentors like that in your life, um, you know, it, it's, everything tends to work itself out. You just continue to learn from the best of the best of the best. So those, those are my, those are two. <laughs> Yeah. And I, don't shoot the messenger. I have been given the wrap up, so 24 is the last person. 24. Wow, big win for me. That's awesome. <laughs> Kobe, Dan stands at ESPN Radio. Uh, you referenced the shut up and dribble comments in your acceptance speech. Why did you do that, and what do you think of LeBron's approach to handling politics and discussing them, which is so different from your hero Michael Jordan's approach? Well, I, mean, I think everybody must approach things as if, you know, from, from their position of whatever's comfortable to, for, you know, for them. Um, I think for us, not just as athletes, but as just people in general, we have the ability to speak up for what it is that we believe in, whether you're a professional athlete or not, um, whether you're an actor or not, you still have the ability to speak up for what it is that you believe in, and, and as well as people have the right to criticize that. I mean, this is, this is the democracy that we live in. That's what makes America beautiful, so. Thank you so much. Thank you. Congratulations. Thank you very much. Sports Social with Eddie Sin Jr. We are back and I'm going to go into these games here at Barclays Center. Game one of the whole ACC tournament. Like I said, these are the opening round games, the first three games of the day. And uh, the very first game actually was uh, number 12 seed Boston College taking on the number 13 seed Georgia Tech. These two teams obviously need wins in order to get, even have a shot at uh, making it to the tournament. They would have to win out and uh, win the whole thing. Boston College got off to a great start. Just a a lot of um a lot of sharing of the basketball and a lot of great plays on defense. But uh the scary thing about it was uh Boston College was up by as many as 15 points and he started to fall apart towards the end as Georgia Tech started to make his comeback, but as what usually happens, Georgia Tech ran out of time and uh ended up coming up short. Uh final score is 87 to 77, so Boston College moves on to the next round. And uh, here are the highlights. That's a, that's a good matchup. There are a lot of guards that Jackson can run into the post on. Oh, Robinson! That's just, again, another example of being whipped. Oh, a little rim running on the dribble penetration from Okogi. Lammers looks a lot more comfortable out there, although Popovich got away and yet another transition bucket. Okogi. Off the feed from right. Got that one in rhythm without having to utilize the bounce. He's got seven. Problems he did. All season long. And it was two months where he really didn't practice at all. Well, we got a foul inside, plus the shot falling in the opening round of the, of the tournament, especially when you play early. There's Lammers with the hoop and the harm. As the foul goes, he'll have eight. Jackson giving it up to Cole, had it slapped away in midair. Coleman with the contact and one. Halston will pick up the foul. We'll see again. High pick from Popovich. Bowman makes his move, uses the glass and one. 
Well, it's, you know, to the extent you can, whoever is higher that time decided to launch and come, comes up empty. Jackson, not there, right on the offensive board, stays with it. And there's some life on that Yellow Jacket bench. About 13 seconds or so. Popovich, well, they, they have done a nice job of attacking the zone when it's been there. They knew. Another turnover, Jackson a slam. Only guys that want to get the ball, receive it, and try to advance it up the floor. Loose ball, and Robinson is on the loose. This should be the exclamation. Well, they should. There. Austin College will advance to play NC State in round two tomorrow. Really proud with our defensive effort today. I thought for 40 minutes, um, maybe up until the last two minutes, one of our better defensive efforts. Guys were locked in on the game plan. Uh, really, really making it difficult for them to get to the basket. Um, and then obviously offensively, um, if we go two for 14 from three and win the game, um, we played a really good floor game today. That's what, that's what gave us a chance. That's usually not our MO. So I know we'll shoot the ball better in this tournament and, and looking forward to move on. We're lucky enough to play another day. Your questions, raise your hand. Let us get the handheld mic to you and let us know who you are, who you're with. First question to our right. Um, just for Kai in general, I mean, we all know where you – how this ended for you last year, but I never asked you how much did that drive you to get back here this year, you know? Uh, I knew my opportunity was going to come around again, so just coming here and being able to play again was a great feeling for me, but also being able to get back on the court with my teammates was even better. And at the same time, can you just talk about the number of ways he impacted this game, whether it was uh, with his playmaking at the end of the first half, the and ones in the middle of the second half, and uh, you, even with eight turnovers, you know, it, it's still, you know. Yeah, I, you know, the turnovers sometimes, they're just, they're, they're plays he's just going to grow from, but he's got the ball a lot. So we, we depend on him to do a lot of things. You know, it's, it's running our offense, it's being the point of our defense, it's rebounding the basketball and leading the break. I thought the, the one thing we did, our guards rebounded the ball again today, and that was able, we were able to get out and run. You know, when we're able to get out and run, we can make plays on the break, and that's, that's the difference with our team. We have to get stops, we have to rebound, and then we have to attack. And then when we get a guy... Another guy, an additional guy to Jordan, Kai, and Jerome. Today, Nico played phenomenal. Probably maybe in the best game he's played since he's been here. When we get that other guy to step up, we become a really good team. Right in front of us. Zach Spears, Eagle Action. Nick, what has happened with your game over the last month? You've been, become so much more efficient. What, what has changed for you? I, my guards, like my teammates, find a way to feed me I mean, all the time. So I, I sometimes like I waste balls. Sometimes not this game. I didn't. So that's what I do. A good job recognizing when I have a good day, and they open up the shots for me. Right in front of us. Question for Kai and Nick as well. I know the game just ended, but you play NC State tomorrow, uh, a team that plays up tempo and very fast. Do you think you know getting this win helps you today? Do you think that might be you know hurt that you have to play two games back to back against a team like that? Just your thoughts. Nick. Uh, I think um, with us playing today, uh, it just builds off, off of this. We can just build confidence as going into the next game. It's just going to help us. So our, our stride to win the next game should be higher. Yeah, and definitely. We know the weaknesses from the last game, so it's going to be much better this time. Sure, right. Jim, Andy Baxter from the Heights. You talked about this was one of your better defensive performances. Georgia Tech started off 2 of 10, but 0 of 5 from three-point land. Did you try to force them out? Outside of the arc, knowing no, that they were one of the worst. We, we just do what we always do and uh, just be aware of certain guys. I think it was more important for us to take away the drives and some of their basket cuts than it was to, you know, 
And if they're going to beat us from three, they're going to beat us from three. But, you know, it changes every night who you're playing. You can't just play one way in this league. The teams are too good. And they adjusted and they attacked us, I thought, in the second half much better than they did in the first half. So, um, you know, then we had to execute on the offensive end, which I thought we did, uh, you know, until the last maybe two minutes where we had a couple of mistakes against the pressure. Um, you know, I thought we executed very well all day. Right or right. Brett Friedlander, uh, Boston Herald. Um, Jim, what you guys were up by 19 with about six and a half minutes to go. What happened at that point? Did they just turn it on, or did you guys get a little sloppy? I think there's always both. You know, I don't think uh, they made some we, – we, I thought we stopped guarding, and we started giving up layups. And, you know, if you give up layups, they're going to get back in the game. You know, we made a couple mistakes turnover-wise, but, you know, it happens. Um, you know, guys just – they'll just keep playing. It's going to be like that the whole way. They're not going to go down easily in March. Nobody is. So it's not really one way or the other. It's a combination of both probably. From your perspective out on the court, did you ever feel like the lead was threatened or did you guys feel like you still had it under control all the way? I felt like we still had it under control. They was picking up pressure. Uh, we know in, in the ACC tournament everybody's going to make their run, so they made a good run on us, so we just had to bounce back from it. Game two of the uh, tournament had the matchup between Notre Dame and Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh, the worst team in the conference, like I was saying, 0-18, need a win need pretty much a miracle to win out, but they brought their best game against Notre Dame and really brought the fight to them. They lost 67-64. to 64. Notre Dame did move on. Uh, the big story, Bonzi Colson, who was a projected second-round pick, scored 19 points. It is only his third game back from injury. Uh, he was definitely a huge, a huge uh, contributor for the team, and he's a guy that they're going to count on if they want to keep their hopes alive as well, but they barely got out of there when it came to the Panthers, and it goes back to the whole March Madness saying of anything could happen. And for a while there, Pittsburgh, look, Pittsburgh looked like they had a uh, a pretty good opportunity to uh, pull off a big upset. But they came up short, 67-64. Notre Dame comes out on top. Our second game of the day. It is the Notre Dame Fighting Irish and the Pittsburgh Panthers. It's on the defensive end where they need to button it up. Carroll gets that one to go. His first tray, and it's 4 to nothing Irish. No doubt about it. Great team that made it to the Final Four the same year. Your team at Duke did in 1978. Fluger gets the three ball, runs the floor. The defense has to collapse a little bit, and, uh, and Rex Fluger got a, a terrific look. Just his basketball shape, stamina, if you will, as the game goes on. As you see, that one being drained for the triple. That he played at home on our schedule, Mike. The, the, the brass at Notre Dame, as you see, the follow, and that was a magnificent follow. The flush by Terrell Brown talking to one another. There's a backdoor cut by Fluger, and a beautiful entry by Gavin. I just need it. Uh, yeah, like a Twinkie back yeah, in the day. Yeah, there yeah, is but... a follow, a big one inside. Nice work. That they had from last year, everything else fresh and new, great finish. Oh, how about that by Colson? And if you, you know, if you're looking at, you're looking at yeah. the potential of NCAA elimination, as you see that block from Colson. The freshman from Toronto, Ontario, has 10. Colson, flex patented, isn't it? He loves any form of fadeaway. 39, Irish by nine with nine and a half to play. R again, you wanted it. G-Man, you wanted it. And that's what the Panthers are doing now. The way you do it, put your head down, get into the lane. 
right after the 30-point blowout to Virginia. Then they got that huge win at Virginia, their only conference loss. And there's Carr again. Tweak of the ankle. Gibbs goes reversal. TJ with a payday. And it's I, I still am a dialogue guy, just for the record. There's Farrell rattling it home from the seat of his pants. Colson on the roll that time. Why didn't somebody else make a shot on that possession? Another three. Jared Wilson frame. Go for the three right now. Carr, count it. Timeout, kick. Farrell with shot clock winding down for three. Not there. Colson the rebound. Yeah, and that's going to be Carr rooting him out. Yep. Yep, and that's his fifth. And Stallings is in disbelief. Carr looking to take Colson. Lost his dribble. It's on the deck. Gibbs has it. It'll go the other way. And the final, 67-64, a hard-fought win for Notre Dame. We are thrilled to escape, and uh, that's kind of what you expect, you know, in tournament play, that they're all going to be tough. I thought our defense was a key, and we obviously uh, really got to the foul line and made foul line, made free throws to escape Pittsburgh, who I thought really played very well in the second half. Um, so we are thrilled that we live to fight another day. Questions again, raise your hand. Let us know who you are, who you're with, and let us get the handheld mics to you. Who has the first question? First one here to our left. Thanks. Hey, Mike. Michael Lewis. Hey, Michael Lewis. Right. How are you? Good to see you. Uh, congrats on win 500. Uh, yeah. Did seem a little bit more pressurized than you expected, given how you played against them last week? Yeah, you know, and, and I fought the whole time. I just thought it was going to be hard. You know what? Everything's been hard for this team. Everything. And, and uh, you know, even Matt Farrell said when we came in the locker room, said everything's been a grind for us the whole year. So um, I'm glad. You know, I, I kind of like that we had some game pressure on us and had to make some decisions because I have a feeling we're going to be in that situation tomorrow. Next question. Hey, Bonzi, congratulations on the win. How does the foot feel, and uh, how has the last couple of days been getting it ready to play after playing, uh, you know, good minutes the last two games you've been back? Yeah, I mean, the foot's, the foot's healed. Um, it's fine. I did everything I can, you know, uh, through the time I was hurt to get it to get it ready as soon as possible. And uh, it feels good to be back out there, and I'm um, feeling good. And uh, today we knew it was going to be a grind. We knew it was going to come down to game situations, and we've been through a lot of those, um, you know, this year. So uh, we plugged in. It's good to get that first win. Wait for the mic, please. No minutes restrictions. No, no restrictions no, going forward no. with everyday games now. Nah, let it. He, he's ready to roll. Hey, I'm going to get every. I'm going to get my money's worth out of his eligibility. All right. Uh, Mark Berman in the Roanoke Times. Uh, Mike uh, is looking ahead to the Virginia Tech game tomorrow. What do you need to do different, differently or better than the first meeting? And how completely different a game is this going to be? Because obviously you did not have either one of these guys from the last meeting. Yeah, I, I mentioned that in the locker room. You know, um, I thought we played our hearts out at our place uh, without those two guys. It's great to have them back. But Virginia Tech is really hard to defend. And we're going to have to be good offensively tomorrow because you're just not going to stop them. Um, I really... Uh, I really have a lot of respect for them, and it's a great challenge for us, the way they spread you out with guards and the way they shoot the ball. To our left. Uh, 
sorry, I'm Brandon Lilly. I'm with the Fieldhouse. For the players, uh, it would be easy to look past a team like Pitt today uh, coming into the game with their record. Do you feel like that happened at all? And were you surprised to be in a game that was as close as it was going down the stretch? No, they shoot the ball from uh, from three very well. So um, if they were making shots, you know, we knew we were going to be in a, a tough game. And looking at the stats, you know, we were five for 19 from three. So we didn't really play the way we wanted to offensively, but um, we defended well enough to win, which is a really good sign for us. And if we want to go far in this tournament, we got to defend. Yeah, I mean, like Matt said, we knew that there, you know, a lot of the shots are three pointers. So um, we try our best to guard that and. Uh, and uh, we got we to gotta be, be a little bit better on the offensive end and uh, just getting good shots every time. But uh, it was good to get the first one. To our right. Bobby Manning, CLNS Media. Mike, how big of a part was you guys getting into the bonus early in that second half and you guys being able to seal this one out? I, say the first part, I couldn't hear you. How, how big of a part in the outcome was you guys getting into the bonus before that 10 Oh, that was, no, that was the difference in the game, you know, that we got to the bonus quick. We got to the double bonus quicker than we've gotten to it all year. And, you know, we're really good from the line, and, and it's a great weapon for us. And, um, and we've tried to emphasize driving the ball more as we got ready for up here. Uh, and so you do pick up some more fouls, but uh, it, was, it, it won the game for us, our free throw efficient, getting there and then making them. Middle of the room. Nathan, Nathan Brown, Virginia Pilot. Um, Matt, coach mentioned when you went to the locker room, you kind of talked about how this whole season has been a grind. How has this whole season with injuries and everything prepared you and prepared this whole team for, for March and what it brings? Yeah, you know, we feel we've gone through more adversity than anybody in the country, you know. Um, but our, our guys have fought hard all year, um, and, and I think it's made us mentally mentally tough. Um, we know a lot of games down here are going to come down to game situations, just like today, and that's things we practice. So we just need to stay calm and do what we do. But it's been, it's been a tough year, but we've had a lot of success here, so we're excited. Game three of the night featured Syracuse and Wake Forest 2 very historical NCAA basketball schools. Uh, mostly Syracuse got its history from the Big East. And then you got got uh, Wake Forest, always been with the ACC. This is actually a very first time meeting in postseason play. Uh, Wake Forest, however, came up short, losing 73-64 to Syracuse. As Syracuse will move on and will face North Carolina in their next game. Uh, now Wake Forest drops to 1-7 all-time against Syracuse. So that's some uh, history there. Tyus Battle dropped in 18 points for the Orangemen as they move on to the next round. And uh, before we actually go into the highlights and the uh, post-game presser for that, I actually spoke with um, spoke with a, a Brooklyn resident. This was his first time appearing at the NCAA tournament or in any college basketball game, period. And uh, he shared his thoughts or just experiencing everything in Brooklyn. So what are your thoughts? This is your first uh, ACC tournament here in Brooklyn. What are your thoughts so far? Oh, actually, I, this is it's much better than I expected because I figured, you know, I'm used to the NBA and I figured they're playing for something, so that's when they go out. But these kids really play and they put their heart out. And I like the antics and the, the, the energy. They're not even on the court, off the court, where they, like, they heckle each other. The, the teams heckle each other. So that's pretty cool. I like the energy and they, these kids are really playing. And it's funny, like I said, you're not a college basketball fan, not, but just being here and you're seeing like the energy here in Brooklyn, like, I like you can't it. I go like, wrong with this, right? I like, it. I like the energy, and I like like the whole team gets involved, the cheerleaders, and like even the other students, they, they get all involved in the game. So it's pretty cool. It's like it. I like it. Now Howard with seven on the clock, three balls. 
Frank Howard, a 35% three-point shooter. The Orange just hit their first three shots on the floor. Chukwu doing a great job finding Brissett, moving along the baseline. Great body control to avoid the shot blocker and Doral Moore to make Syracuse fifth straight field goal attempt. It helps to be able to have size on the interior, but another turnover. Woo! Battle leads to a battle highlight. Tyus battle, and that's one of the areas where Syracuse, since they've been in the ACC and, of course, back in their Big East days, are always one of the leaders in steals in the conference. Length at the top, battle at 6'6", Franklin Howard at 6'5". Guards are tough. Orange is 6-for-6 six six from the floor. He also drew the foul on Moore. Wake assistant. Case Award winner in 1995, Randolph Childress. Doral Moore put Matthew Moyer in the basket with him. And that's why Doral Moore is second nationally in field goal percentage because he gets high quality shots. Interesting to watch Wake die diagnose and there's Moore. The one thing you see with both of these teams is the luxury of having a seven footer, I'm sorry Russ, an athletic seven footer on the back line to his growth as an offensive player. He needs to turn down those shots and get to the basket. First three of the night for Wake Forest, guys. Wilbekin bangs it home, and the Orange wants a timeout. Howard tries to sneak in. There's the pass, Chukwu. But he put it on the deck. Now Dolezal cleans it up with a dunk. And they're going to add one behind it on Merrick Dolezal's third field goal. Interior passing is always the way to beat the zone. Mike Howard getting inside the paint, doing a great job finding his teammates. And now you put the basketball in Dolezal's hands once again, who's able to finish. And this is the problem when you do play a bit of a smaller lineup for Wake Forest. You can't contend with Syracuse at the rim. Who only played two minutes and two games against the Orange and Crawford. A big three and a look to the Deacon bench. 15 to shoot, here's Woods. Ball movement does get Crawford a three. And yet Wake's got it. Childress fights through, scoops, scores, and one. Syracuse doing the job around the rim, protecting the rim. One block shot after another. But Chukwu trying to get rid of the basketball, forced to turn over. And Brandon Childress taking advantage of it. 13 on the shot clock. Lob, Chukwu! Here's Dolezal, has Chukwu with it. Lob, big fella! Then getting the basketball out against pressure and playing great two-on-one basketball, tossing it up to Pascal Chukwu, who does the rest, expecting the lob, finishing the lob. And the front court for Syracuse has been special here tonight. Into the zone, the first half, we just you know, had a lot of good looks and just couldn't make anything. I think the second half, we attacked the zone better. I thought Frank did a great job. Marek was tremendous getting into the open spots. Uh, he has been looking to score better uh, over the last part of the year. Um, but I thought our defense really was the difference. They're a very, very good offensive team. And I thought we got them off their spot. They made 14 threes in Syracuse uh, the last time we played. And I thought we did a much better job guarding them uh, on the three-point line.
It was a really good win. I think Wake Forest is a really good offensive basketball team. Questions, again, raise your hand. Let us get the hand held mic to you. Let us know who you are, who you're with. First question to our right. Sam Fortier from the Daily Orange. Jim, what, if anything, did you say to Marek between Saturday and today? Nothing. Nothing. What did you see from him do? Like, what did he do differently today that allowed no, you to be so I mean, they left When they went to the zone, they left him in open spots. And he converted uh, in the fast break situations. When, when they pressed, he took the ball to the basket. And uh, in the middle of the zone, they didn't guard him in the high post area. He, makes, he can make that shot. Um, I thought he really played well. He was aggressive. He made some good passes. Uh, but he was uh, very, very good today. Front row, right in front of us. Uh, Zach Brazil, New York Post. For either of the two, uh, two guards, you're going to play North Carolina, uh, obviously, again tomorrow. You, you guys nearly beat them when, at your place. Are you looking, how much are you looking forward to that matchup, and what do you think you guys maybe have to do differently that, to get you over the top against them? Frank? Um. Just finish the game. You know, I think uh, we got a, some good schemes we can run against them. You know, they're a great team. You know, uh, attack the zone very well. But, you know, uh, I think down there with some costly turnovers. And uh, we just take care of the ball and, and run our stuff. Nice. Um, I mean, down there, I thought we played, I mean, uh, we played well. Um, just like Frank said, we just made some uh, costly turnovers at the end of the game. Um, but we just have to clean those things up and we'll be fine. Second row. Bobby Manning, uh, CLNS Media. Tyus, what did you pull from those first two games? They challenged you during the regular season. It seemed like you guys were more prepared for this matchup. Um, I, I think the second time we played them, we were pretty good. Uh, they just hit a couple threes at the end of the game and stuff like that that brought them back into to the game. Uh, today we did a much better job defensively, ran them off the line, um, and just made them take tough shots. To our left. Allen Fields, a three-point conversion. For the players, um, with you guys' length and talent and the way you're playing now, do you feel very confident that not only you can make a run here but put yourselves in a great position to also get to the tournament and make a run there? Tyus? Um, we're confident against anyone we play. Uh, I don't care who it is. Um, we, we hung in there with some of the best teams in the country, and uh, when, we're, when we're seven on the floor one-on-one -on -one with them, we're, we're confident we're going to come out with the win. Frank? Yes, I'm a second that as well. But that's just our mindset as a team. You know, we want to be aggressive. You know, we, we want to always feel like we can win. So um, we don't look at anyone different. You know, uh, just got to change the schemes. Middle of the room. Uh, Joe Maganella, Watertown Daily Times. Uh, Tyus and Frank, you both uh, hooked up with Chukwu on a lot of plays. I'm, I'm wondering if you, if you thought that was going to be um, such an option in this matchup today, considering their personnel. Well, last game, uh, I don't think they did a great job stepping up, and we usually got to the basket pretty easy. Uh, so we knew they were going to change some things up, and the big stepped up and left Pascal wide open, and he's going to catch that lob every time. Yeah, I think uh, in practice, uh, Coach Griffin has done a great job with, with Pascal, and, uh, you know, he, he's been catching those in practice. So, you know, you just got to give him some in the game.
I want to take the time to thank everybody for tuning in and just reliving the day one of March Madness in Brooklyn ACC tournament. It's a lot of fun. Once again, if you're listening to the show and it's still that same week, I don't know when you're listening to it. You could be listening to it. The first day is coming out. Make sure you pick up your tickets. Head out to Barclays Center. It's a great time. A lot of great teams. And it's just overall fun. Um, as always, sportssocialpod.com for more information. I'm going to have some new things that I, I do want to put out for the show. And I, I want to take you guys' thoughts on this. I'm going to put up some new polls, some new ideas. And like I said, we're all open to just uh, making some changes and having new interesting guests on. Until next time, my name is Ed Easton Jr. You've been listening to Sports Social here on Brooklyn Free Speech Radio.